0: Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, Pastor Antoine continues in our new series, Beyond. Let's hear what God's Word has for us from lead pastor, Antoine Master. Man, I just thank you for uh, worshiping with us. And um, mm, it's just good to be here. It's just good to be with the saints. I can worship at home. But when we get together, something happens. It's something happens in the community of believers. And so when you guys, uh, sometimes, even if my flesh doesn't feel like worshiping um, and you start to worship, it's, it's infectious, it's contagious. And that's why the gathering is so important because you can come here with your head down and you can leave here with your head down. But we have to decide, we have to make a choice. It's like we have to command ourselves to bless the Lord. And when we have an opportunity to bless the Lord and I see my sister over here blessing, I see my brother over here blessing. It's something happens. And this atmosphere creates uh, not just a move in the church, but a move in us. Yeah. And so this is the beauty of the gathering. And so um, in, in, in Ephesians, um, the first the first chapter, the second chapter, Paul is is talking about the church being unified in Christ. So so you got to see the correlation between the desire of Paul to continue to make sure that the church and see this is what's so crazy. Paul writes this letter in prison and he's encouraging the saints to continue to be unified, to continue to be together, which means that there's always a, a potential to be disunified in the church. And so when we are all worshiping, it's like the book of Acts when they are all on one accord. That's a big deal because I disagree with myself, Mm -hmm. no less in the church. So so when there's unity in the house. So sometimes when when we say, hey, everybody stand, hey, everybody lift hands. Some everybody yell. Sometimes I get it like that ain't really your thing. But when we all do it, when we all lift our hands, when we all sing songs of God says, "Okay, they unified. Because Christ said it this way. Christ said that nobody can come to Jesus except the Father draws. And then Jesus says, nobody can get to the Father unless they go through me. Then the Spirit says, I bear witness of Jesus. And Jesus bear witness of the Father. So there's unity. And so this is what Ephesians is doing. Ephesians is giving us a prototype of the unity of the church and the admonishment that Paul has be unified. And so he constantly reminds the people of God of who they are in God. While you were yet sinners, dead in your trespasses. And so when we when we come to church, there has to be a level of expectation that we all have. And so sometimes I got to push. I got to push past like 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 when Tiffany is worshiping. It is so um, easy to just watch her worship. But God watching her worship and he also watching you not worship. And so there's something that has to happen in us. And, And this is the spirit of God moving in us as one body. And this one body, as the scripture says, has many members. And so this is the the small C church, our local church. But there's churches five miles this way, a mile this way, half a mile that way. And then you know what they're doing? All of them are worshiping. Because this is the kingdom. And they're worshiping, and we're worshiping, and we're worshiping God through Christ Jesus together. And we don't know what things we are breaking out of our lives just by being obedient. So when Paul says in Ephesians chapter three, um, verse 14, for this reason, I kneel before the father. He says, I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory To be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. Are you feeling broken and weak this morning? If you are, Paul is is saying, I'm praying that you'll be strengthened. How? By your inner being, inner man, inner person, through the spirit of God. And that that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And so we use the living room as an example of literally us inviting Christ into our hearts. If you invite someone to your home, where do you bring them? You bring them straight to your bedroom? You bring them to the living room. And like many of us, you know, don't do no pop-ups. I need the time to clean up and get stuff in order. And so oftentimes when the Spirit of God is moving, we have that same mentality. Let me clean this stuff up first and then invite him in. He's like, no, I know your house is junky. That's why I'm here. And so when we invite him in, we're literally inviting him to a space that, uh, let's just be honest, many people have sat in. And so when he says um, in verse number 17 and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, the invitation that we receive from him through faith is to invite him into our lives. And he takes residence in our lives. Here's the challenge for us. The challenge is that when we invite him into the living room, he will only go as far as we let him. So if we're okay with him being in the living room, that's where he'll live. And then, and then the, the, the closet and the junk room and the shed and the garage, he has no access to. And so we live this impaired life. Part of our lives are thriving. Some of our lives are just surviving. Some of our lives are dead. And so he will just only go as far as we surrender. And so when we invite him in, the, the, man, that is justification. That is believing in him through faith. That is where, you know, I'm saved. But the process is sanctification, allowing him to move from the living room to other areas of my house that are off limits. And he wants to be, that word dwell means he wants to take up residence and be comfortable. And that's the challenge. The challenge is we can come in this house of worship and that is the living room. And we have these moments. We have these moments. And then the question then becomes, does, does the Lord have the ability, do you allow him, to have different accesses to, to more than just the living room? Because he wants to see what's in your cabinets and what you're eating. Is it nutritious? Or is it just junk food? He wants to see what's under your bed. He wants to see behind, you know, you got, a, you got the, the walk-in closet and you get, I'm the only one. I'm just telling my stuff, huh? So he wants to see all of that. It's like when you get married. Your representative show up. It takes a while for you to start really showing who you are. Okay, I'm the only, so y'all just going to let me just hang out here by myself. And so, well, thank you, thank you, I think I will. So, here's what happens. So, he wants to see all of this, and he wants to see your junk, and the truth of the matter is, you can't hide this junk from him. You can't, but we attempt to. And then, this is what makes worship interesting, because worship is ascribing worth to him, but he don't need our worship. God doesn't increase or decrease based on us worshiping him. You don't have to believe in gravity to jump off, a, jump off a building and fall to your death. Like, you don't have to believe God in order for God to be God. And so we have this, we have this thing that for some reason, we act as if, not this church, but churches in other areas, but we act as if um, God needs our worship So, therefore, we can just withhold it whenever we want to. See, here's what I'm understanding about something that cost. See, the reason why, and I just use Tiffany for example, all of y'all are worshipers and y'all express yourselves in a different way of worship. But the reason why some of us are so demonstrative in our worship is because our worship is costing us. See, once you have an experience with God, it should change you. Right. I'm not saying you do cartwheels. You might hurt yourself. What I'm saying is that something that has been given to you that does not cost you, you will never value. And if you don't value it, it depreciates. And when it depreciates, uh, you have a tendency, we have a tendency to get rid of it. And so when we don't know what it cost him. See, we, we devalue the, what, what, hap, what he is doing through us. And so now when we get to the house of worship, it's not a building, it's a people. So when we gather in his holy name, we, we use his name so common, it's not holy to us anymore. And so that's why we get caught up in the preferences. I wonder why they're singing that song. Sing my song. Because we don't value what worship truly is. And we don't know what worship truly is because we don't know who he truly is. And so what Paul does in the first three chapters is reminding the people of who Christ is. While you were yet sinners. See, for us, sinning has become so common, we don't even disconnect from what is sinful and what is holy. So we don't even value it anymore. Because, you know, when we say salvation is free, no, it's not. Where we pick that up from. We know him as savior, but do we know him as Lord? He's Lord and savior, which means he has final authority. So here's the crazy part, people. If he says forgive. We forgive. But you don't know. I don't know. But he does. Because he know you. And so when you start seeing how he's forgiven you, that's why it's easy for us to forgive others. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean there's no process involved. I understand that. My point is, if he is truly Lord of our lives, when he said deny yourself, what did you think that meant? So I don't have to get in debate whether this is a sin, whether this is a sin. Everything should be on the table if he's Lord. And so he says, Paul says, for this reason, um, I kneel before the father. And then he says, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of the glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through the spirit. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, talking to the church, the saints of Ephesus, while he's in prison, he says, being rooted and firmly established in love. Being rooted and firmly established in love. Let's just pause for that. Just for a moment, I pray that you... See, he's he's already talked to them about their identity, and he's saying that the identity should allow Christ, the Spirit of God, to reside. And so as the Spirit of God um, moves in our lives and the more we surrender, um, the more he starts to clean up these things. We become more mature, And he says, I pray that you being rooted and firm and established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Say all the saints. What is the length? What is the length? Yes. What is the length and width, height and depth of God's love? So here's what he says. He says, hey, I want you to have Christ to be in your to be in your living room. <laughs> uh, gospel according to Antoine. Um, I want Christ to be in your living room. And then he says um, that uh, Christ lives in you. He takes up residence. And then uh, the second part of uh, verse number 17, I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love. There's some good stuff here because I want you to put your hand on your heart. Put your hand on your heart. Ask the Lord right now to settle your heart and to strengthen your inner being. And see, that is through his spirit. That's not something that we can do ourselves. It has to be done through his spirit. And so a believer who's rooted and firmly and firmly established in Christ's love is steady. I want you to understand this picture. Every person here has some tears and some trials. Every person here. Has that, and being a believer does not mean that all of a sudden you stop suffering. Being a believer does not mean that you don't, you and I don't have trouble. Job says it this way: A man born of a woman is a a few days, a few days, a couple minutes. A man born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Life is full of trouble. But here's what he says. He says, being rooted and grounded in love. This is what he's saying. So, so Paul is saying that this roots of this tree, that this tree is sustained by the roots. And so if the roots are not deep, If the roots are not deep, then it cannot get the nutrients to keep the tree alive. But it starts with the identity in Christ. Not tradition. Not your job. Not your your wife. Not your husband. Not your children. not Not in your bank account. It has to be rooted in Christ. Because when the winds come, Because they're coming. And if if your roots are not deep, then it'll disrupt the tree. And so he's literally saying, listen, if your identity is not in Christ, you start counting people. Pastors, you start counting people, and then you start comparing yourself. If your identity is not in Christ, then when, when the job is going well, you're going well. If your identity is not in Christ, when you're healthy, everything's good. But when you're unhealthy, everything collapses. So the winds come. You Just make sure that your roots are deep. Your, your roots are deep in love. Christ's love. Not your wife's love. Not your parents' love. See, my desire for my sons is to love God not even more, but to understand God's love more. So, will you pick that up, Pastor? That sounds good, but is it scripture? We keep reading. But in verse number 18, he says, So that all the saints we can comprehend. See, here is the beauty and why community is so important it's because when we come together, I can see the evidence of God's love by your walk. And then you start sharing your testimony. I've been through this. I've been through. This. I'm like, oh, my God. I've been through this and I've been through this. And what establishes us is God's love. So he says being rooted. So make sure you rooted. And he said the roots of the tree must go deep to reach the nutrients. And the more mature the tree is, the deeper the roots. And the deeper the roots, the more likely the tree can withstand the harsh winters. The deeper the roots, the most likely that the tree can withstand the summer droughts. The deeper the roots, the tree can withstand the winds that come. Because Paul is saying that like the tree, we must allow the love of Christ to become our root system. Many of us are praying that he removes the storms newsflash. He won't see now for us. That's hard, Dion, because Pastor, you don't know what storms that I'm I'm going through. No, I don't have to know. He does. And if the storm entered our lives, the sovereignty and trusting God is for our good. But that, my friend, is hard because storms will make you question the goodness of God. That's why for some of us, it was hard for us to sing that part of the song. Because storms will make you question if you're a child of God. Storms will make you question if he were, you say he'll never leave me? Well, where is he in the midst of the storm? He is sleeping at the bottom of the boat doing your storm. And they got desperate enough, Brie. They got desperate enough. Do you not care that we perish? But if Jesus is on the boat, where do you think you going? This is why the storm's come. The storm comes to shake off these dead leaves. The storm's come. To bend the tree, man, the Biosphere 2, look it up. The Biosphere 2 was an attempt in Arizona for them to have an enclosed, almost like a greenhouse. And they had this greenhouse with this controlled environment and they wanted to to conduct all these experiments um, without uh, the elements. So they had the elements actually inside this dome. And they grew trees, and they were able to control all of this. And the trees shot up. And the, I know, thank you. She was like, "Uh uh-oh, yeah. She read it. She knows. So the trees shoot up, and they shoot up fast. But then they got to a certain height, and they tumbled over. And the scientists were confused. And they were trying to figure out why, under this controlled environment, these trees shoot up, and then then they just fall apart. What the scientists discovered was that the stress, there was no wind. And so part of what makes a tree strong is the wind. And so, the, so what the scientists realized was that the wind was necessary to strengthen the tree. Storms in your life is necessary. And so what we try to do, Tiffany, is even with our children, we try to remove stresses out of their life and they grow up weak adults. If they got themselves in it, sometimes we got to pull back and let them suffer the consequences of their actions. But then we realize that it's called the stress winds. And so what happens, Tiffany, that when the trees grow up and there's no wind, there's no stress wind. And if there's no stress wind, then the tree is not gonna endure. The tree gonna look pretty, the tree gonna grow tall, but it's not deep. So oftentimes what God will do is send a storm and allow a storm to come your way just to see how deep your roots are. Now, here's the reality. He knows how deep your roots are. You don't. Mm, I feel you, Holy Spirit. So what happens is you don't know what you would do under any circumstance. That's why I was taught early. Don't you say what you would never do. That's why it's hard. I, it's hard for me to judge people because I don't know what wind is blowing against them. Yeah. All I know is that the roots have to run deep. And so he says, being rooted in love, Christ's love. And that's what he says. So these stress winds come. And every time that tree bends, it's getting a little stronger. You got so much history with God. Because all these storms in your life, they're just making you stronger. I mean, you bend it. Don't get me wrong. The, they said that the palm tree literally can go 50 to 80 degrees and pop right back up. Because the palm tree's been tested. Because the hurricanes come tip and all the other trees broken. Broken in half. But the palm tree was built for that. And so what happens is when the winds of your life come, you swaying. But I'm telling you. But if you run, if, you're, if you're deep, if you're, if you're, if you're, if your roots, as the old folks used to say, if your roots, if your roots, <laughs> some of us caught that. If your roots, I'm about to say it again. If your roots run deep, you can withstand the storm. So he says, being rooted and firmly established. here's what's crazy about that firmly established. See, the firmly established. The firmly established simply means that there's a foundational part of this. That firmly established means grounded. And that word is connected to foundation. And so what happens when you build a house, they spend time making sure that the foundation is good. And and the reason why is because when you build a home, the foundation does more than just keep your home above ground keeps out moisture, it insulates from the cold, and then it resists movement of the earth around you. Now, I want you to catch this. The earth is moving around us, but the foundation keeps the house from moving. I want you to understand this. So you get the foundation right, you build on the foundation. And the worst thing to do is to build a house when the foundation ain't right. And you got to tear that house down in order to build it right. Uh, several years ago, Katrina, Katrina ravaged the lower Ninth, And so uh, this this actor, he was from the area and he decided to um, he decided to build affordable houses in the area. And that's what he did. And so these houses look good. I mean, they looked good. They were all different colors, and they were affordable, and um, they were like green houses, like uh, eco-friendly, and all of this. But here's what they discovered. You know what they discovered? After a couple months, the house was falling apart. And they did all this work because the materials were bad. The foundation was bad. What was even worse, that they didn't consider the climate that they were living in. So the houses were built, they looked pretty, they had ribbon-cutting ceremonies, and the people started living in the house, and there was mold everywhere because they didn't account for the moisture. And the house became unlivable because the foundation was off. It looked pretty, but it wasn't livable because the foundation was off. So when regular storms came, Like the wolf, like the three little pigs. a little little storm came and the house almost fell apart. So how long are we going to live in houses that's unlivable? Because the foundation is wrong. There's a love being rooted and grounded in Christ's love. So we have to see Christ's love as the foundation of our very existence. Because if we don't, we're gonna build our lives on everything that's counterfeit, using bad materials, standing in front of the house and caning to live in it. So he says in verse number, please put that scripture up. He says being rooted and and, uh, yes, In their hearts, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able, say may be able. To comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. Now, this is crazy. He said that we may be able to comprehend that which is unknowable. But when all the saints come together, we can experience pieces of what's unknowable, and that's Christ's love. Simply put, we do not understand just how much God loves us through Christ Jesus. And Paul is saying, that's where we have to be anchored with in his love. And so Many of us try to do good works to earn God's love instead of doing good works because of his love. See, when we say there's nothing you can do to make God love you more and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. It's not in what you do it's who he is. So instead of trying to figure out um, ways that I can love him more. Maybe I should be focusing on how much he loves me because all of us are rooted in things that need to be uprooted. And so he says, I pray that you being rooted in firmness, establishing love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. No one is beyond the scope of his love. I want you to I want you to get this. I want you to settle this. No one's beyond the scope of his love, but it takes all of us to try to understand it. He's not praying that we love Christ more but to understand Christ's love for us more. He wants us to be saturated by his love together. And this is something that we cannot experience privately ourselves. It takes all of us. Everybody say all the saints. To see his love stretched out in and with each other is what Paul is desiring. Even when we do not understand it, Paul admits that it surpasses knowledge it can be attempted with all the saints. And that's why in previous chapters, he what he does is he actually unpacks husband and wives, slaves and masters, because he's shifting a power dynamic and he's helping them focused on on uh, the unity of the church. He says um, the love of Christ. Uh, he says, I want them to experience the length, width height and depth and this is what i'm gonna leave you with i want you to I want them to put them four words up there the length the width the height and the depth i want you to write these words down this is him describing the mass the greatness of christ's love that's what he's doing the length the width the height in the depth. The love of Christ has length. It. This is blow, this going to blow your mind. Because it blow mine. Maybe not. Maybe you came to this revelation before me. But it says. The love of Christ has length. The love of Christ for you. Is as long as eternity. You think about that. Close your eyes. Just, just close your eyes. Look to, when you close your eyes. Look to your left and right. Is without end. That's Christ's love for us. Amen. When you feeling ugly, you, you don't feel lovable. His love for you extends beyond eternity. That's some love there, Jack. I don't even know how to characterize it. Because most of us experience love that's conditional. If you do this, then I will do. His love... Extends beyond eternity. Then he says the love of Christ has width. That it simply means that his love is wide enough for the whole wide world, (laughs) cuz. Like, I'm just gonna listen, our hearts are limited. I say I love you, but what does that really mean, Eric? There's, also, there's a line that, 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 like, I love my family first. I got to take care of my, you know what I'm saying? He's, his love extends. It's wide enough for the whole world. Not for just, just, not just, you know, for us, comparatively, it's our family. It's our friends. It's like, yeah, I love the world. I love people. But you ain't going to die for everybody. That's his love. Then he says that his love has height. He said because of our faith in him, we are seated with him in heavenly places. That's some love, Jack. That love that we did not earn. That he gave us and extends beyond eternity. And it's wide enough. The, the, the Jesus, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish by heaven. that That's an invitation to the whole world. Yeah. And then, not because of our righteousness, Jess, because of his, yeah. we get to be seated in heavenly places. Amen. Okay, I know it went over here. Do you know how messed up you are? <laughs> and we're going to be seated with him? That give me a headache to think about, cause as I, I'm just being real, it's like I don't do this, but if, you know, you know, they got old grudges. Uh, mm, no, he he, every everybody, it, it's 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 it's. I saw this that the the people that Paul, that Paul killed when Paul enters heaven will be rejoicing with Paul that he made it. What? Come on. Come on. Like. That's some love, Jack. Like, like that's, that's love. And then he says, the love of Christ has depth. And this is, man, I shot it right here. I was in Starbucks. I shot it right here. And they, they almost asked me to leave, but I just couldn't help it. His, the, his love is so deep. There is no sin too deep for us to be rescued from man the depth of his love he loved us so much that there's not a sin that you can commit come man boy this iPad ain't cost me so much money I would toss it (laughs) my soul cries man like there's not a sin that's why Paul said, having' experienced redemption. now there is now no condemnation. It's something that he understood. These were not just theological truths. that was his experience that now there is now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. You may look at my sinning ways, you may look at my sin and shake your head, but if I 'm in Christ. Jesus, that's my son. That's, that's, he's, he's going through a storm right now, but that's my boy. Because when our faith is rooted in Christ, I'm a child of God, whether you agree with it or not. Amen. Come on. Yeah. Amen. See, that's how Paul said, I can boldly come upon the throne. And so for some of us upon the altar, having received mercies, see, he's not boasting in himself. He's boasting in the redemptive work of Christ. And so he's so there's no sin too deep not to be rescued from. And oftentimes, when we, when we look at sin, my brothers, when we look at sin, we try to compare our sins with somebody else. Well, I ain't that bad. Yes, you are. Yes, we are. So when Paul says, for all have sinned and fallen short, all includes everyone, excludes no one. And so he says that I pray. That you understand the length, the width, depth, the length, with height, depth, God's love. And even in this moment, it's hard for us to comprehend. Because we let him down every day. He still loves us the same there's, there's some sin that we trip into yep but there's some sin you walk right into with your head high and he says that's why you gotta be rooted when when come when's gonna come but when they come not if they come but when they come you feel like you about to break you feel like you just it's like uh, I don't know about you it's just me I'm just I just got the mic but there's sometimes in my life I say Lord how long how much longer I can't I can't take I can't take and then there's something that stirs in me it stirs in you I'm tell you why I know it stirs in you because you're still here something stirs up in you. I'm like the old folks when they say, I think I'm going to see how the end going to be. Because the resolve is not in my faithfulness. The resilience is not in my faithfulness, Tiffany. It's in His. There are times that when I was anchored to things that I wouldn't freely give up. The storm came had no choice. There are things that some of us are still holding on to. He's your anchor. Man. Hold on to him. There's a there's a, we, we have this mentor her name is Diane and she constantly reminds us you know we, we concern ourselves with the how hole. The how hole is this. How am, how am I going to get out of and we should not concern ourselves with the how. We should concern ourselves with what is the Lord trying to teach me in this? Because if the storms came, if we're in a storm now, He's trying to teach us. And so I want us to pray. We're gonna pray a little different. We're gonna end of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. This week's message. If you are blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel like to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Kannapolis, Charlotte, or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and also check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.